So how many of you like music? Anybody? Uh, I'm pretty sure you, you probably all want to raise your hands. Sometimes we're a little bit scared to raise our hands in church because you never know the pastor might call on you. I'm not doing that right now. It's okay. Um, you get to hear great music from David and Gail playing the piano and organ. We get to hear the choir sing. That's awesome. And here's what I've learned about music. And I've learned it especially over the past two weeks. I'll tell you how in just a second. It's that music leads to movement. I mean, how many of you, when you're hearing the choir sing, David play the piano, um, you're back there maybe just swaying a little bit or tapping your fingers? Because music leads to movement. Now, I've learned this in a very um, exciting way because the past couple of weeks, Caleb, my three-year-old boy, has started going to dance Homerville, taking dance lessons. And as soon as you turn the music on in that studio up on the stage, all those kids just start moving. Now, at three years old, Caleb and the other children, they don't know that there's formal movements to make. They just start dancing around and moving, right? Um, a couple months ago, Caleb was in his high chair eating supper, and some music came on, and all of a sudden, he just started going. <laughs> music leads to movement, doesn't it? Now, some of us adults, we've gotten a little bit uh, too stuffy as we've grown up or maybe embarrassed and we we don't move as much even though music we feel it in us um, so so maybe some of us guys we do the awkward slow dance you know just sort of sway like this instead of actually moving uh, there's some of us that know how to do ballroom dances very formal dances tango waltz things like that um, some of us maybe have gone to concerts and get jumping around like a pogo stick music leads to movement now, there's also something else that I found leads to movement. And it might not be dancing, but it leads to a movement within us that energizes us, that, that pushes us forward in our faith. And we're going to talk about that today. We, as we look at that, as we look at our scripture for today, we, we've been talking about how people have met Jesus. We're calling this series, How I Met Your Maker, just playing off of the TV show, How I Met Your Mother just to give us a way to talk about the importance of seeing how Jesus encounters us and changes us. We've talked about how our families are that primary place that we start hearing about Jesus and our lives are, are shaped and formed to follow him. In fact, we said that families are the primary faith incubator. It's a place where we get to have safe boundaries to learn and grow in, in faithfulness to Jesus. And we found out last week that God sends people into our lives to, to be representatives of God to us. That we might know his goodness and, and power from other people. Telling us the stories of Jesus, reading scriptures to us, teaching Sunday school, um, reaching out and just telling us all about God. And we've called those people ambassadors. They are ambassadors from God to us. And they, they've helped form faith within us. They're how we first met Jesus. Now, John Wesley, the, the founder of Methodism, he would give a big name to both of those groups of people. He would, he would call them part of God's grace. In fact, he had an even bigger name than that. He said it's God's prevenient grace. It's the grace that, that goes before us. It's the grace that before we ever knew how good God was, he was reaching out to us. Before we even recognized how, how messed up our, we've made our own lives, he's trying to reach out and help us, call us back to him and our families. Those ambassadors that God has sent into our lives, they're part of his grace 
that goes before we ever say yes to Jesus. That's a beautiful thing. Today, we're going to see what happens after that grace that goes before us happens. We're going to see what happens when we have a meeting with Jesus. And if you're not a Christian, if you're here just because your significant other made you come or a friend drug you here today, I'm excited you're here because you're going to get a front row seat and seeing what it's like for Jesus to change somebody's life. So I'm excited about that. And I, I've been praying. If you're not a Christian, I've been praying for you. This is the best place you can be to learn more about Jesus, find out what it means to be changed by him and, and what it means to be called a Christian. So we're going to look at it, how Peter, James, and John met their maker. And we're going to be looking specifically in Luke chapter 5 today. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. So if you're turning there in your Bibles, if you've got your Bible app on your phone and you're finding it there, go ahead and turn. While you're turning, let me tell you just a slight bit about this, this scenario we're going to read. It's a little bit dramatic. It involves fish and a miracle. And for most of us, maybe our story with Jesus when we met him doesn't involve something dramatic like a miracle. That's okay. We're not saying that every story has to be like Peter's. But in this story of Peter's, James, and John's, we find some markers, or maybe we could call them hangers, that we could put our spiritual clothes in, in that closet of faith, that we might understand the journey that happens when we start to meet Jesus. So there's something that we can grab hold of in this story. So Luke chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little ways from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So here's the thing. What causes movement, not just to, for us to dance and move towards music, but what causes, what causes movement deep in our souls and our spirits towards something better? And it's this, Jesus revealing himself to us. Jesus meeting us where we are and carrying us forward. I think there are three big movements that happen. Movements, I might say, of, 
of the Spirit, both of God's Spirit to us and, and of our Spirit responding to what Jesus is doing. You know, three big movements going on in this story, and I think in each of our stories, if we call ourselves Christians, and if you're not a Christian, you can look for these movements to happen in your own life if you're pursuing Jesus. So here they are. The first one happens as Jesus starts telling Peter that he wants to get out in a boat with him so he can preach. This is unusual. Most preachers don't stand on a boat to preach. I mean, I'm not in a boat this morning. I, I'm here in a place where you're able to sit down. But Jesus was out on the mountainside and needed to get away from the crowd a little bit because they were pressing in on him. So he stands on this boat and preaches to everyone. And afterwards, he, he tells Peter, hey, cast out, let's go fishing. Now, for a second, just imagine with me, you're Peter. You're a professional fisherman. You know the ins and outs of the movements of fish, and you know where the good spots are, and you know the right times to go fishing, and you know that you've been up all night fishing because that's the right time to catch fish. That's when the fish are active and swimming around in the lake where they are. And then there's this man named Jesus who's the son of a carpenter, not a fisherman, by the way, who says, hey, cast out the daytime, not, not the nighttime, cast out now and let's go fishing. It's a little bit suspect. A little bit fishy, if you will. Sorry for the pun. It's a little bit like if I were to go over to Jeff and Eric's office tomorrow and say, hey, Jeff and Eric, you know, there's a better way that you could write your insurance policies that would just get more people in your business. Uh, let's just take away that word liabilities. It, it just sounds so threatening and big. It's hard to understand. Just get rid of that, and you'll do so much better in business. If I were to do that, Jeff and Eric would just laugh me out of their office, right? Because who am I? I don't know anything about insurance. I'm a preacher. I do the preaching. I don't do the insurancing. And so here's Peter standing there in a boat knowing this carpenter's son, not a fisherman, is telling me to fish. You can notice in his beginning words to Jesus some hesitancy to listen. Jesus, we've been up all night fishing. We, we've tried it. It's not working. So but then he follows it up with these words. But because you say so, we'll do it. See, there's a, something about when Jesus starts revealing himself to us. There's something about when we meet Jesus. Even if we don't fully know who he is, we don't trust in him all the way, we're not sure about this Christianity thing, there's something about meeting Jesus that causes us to want to obey Jesus' way, even if it's just something small, like Peter being asked to go and cast nets out into the water to catch fish. There's something about what Jesus does when he meets us that captures our attention and our trust. It might be something specific like Peter and the nets. It, it might be something like uh, hearing the words about Jesus to go and serve others, and you say, Look, I'm not into Christianity. I, I don't know about this Jesus guy other than he, he does sound pretty wise, and he's done some amazing things. All right, I'm going to try this serving thing, and you go and serve in the soup kitchen or, or another place where you can live out in a small way what, what Jesus started doing. 
It could be something very specific, or it might be what John Wesley, the founder of our, our faith, our, our denomination, he said that there are means of grace, means of grace, these ordinary channels that we do what Jesus said. Things like reading scripture, or prayer, or serving others, or coming to worship today, by the way, you're, you're doing that. You're obeying Jesus' way in a small way just by being here this morning. Even if you don't call yourself a Christian, you're doing something because you have heard that this Jesus or the church has said it's a good thing. And so in a small way, you're trusting in Jesus. Here's the thing. Each of these movements that we're going to talk about, I want to give you a motion to go with it, a, an actual physical movement. So if you're Peter casting a net, in that day it was a, a circular net, and you would hold the, the point, the very middle of that circle net, and you would take it, spread it out to make sure it wasn't tangled, and you would toss it out like this so that it would land in a circle on the water and sink down to catch fish. So when we're thinking of Peter casting that net, the hands go up like this. For us, this might be a way of understanding what this movement of the Spirit is all about. It's like we're saying to God, here it is. I, I don't know about you really, Jesus. I've just heard some wise things that you've said, or I, I've seen some people that follow you, and they seem to be pretty good people. There's something about you, I don't know, but, but I've heard you say prayer is a good thing, so, so Jesus, here it is. Let me pray. Or Jesus, I, I've heard that we are supposed to serve one another. So Jesus, I'm going to the soup kitchen. Here it is. I don't know that anything good's going to come from this. I, I'm not saying I really believe in you or I'm getting into this church thing, but here it is. It's my little act of faith and trust in you. The first movement that happens when Jesus meets us is that we obey Jesus' way, even if it's a small way. Now, Jesus told Peter, cast the net, so Peter did it. And wouldn't you know it, strangely enough, Jesus was right. And not just right, but there were so many fish that Peter caught it, it began to cause the boat to sink. Had to call other, other boat, another boat to come over, and it caused them to start to sink. There were so many fish. Jesus revealed something about himself in that moment, too. There was something about his insight into the things unseen. There was something about his knowledge of fish beyond the knowledge he was supposed to have. There was something also about his knowledge of the disciples who were there, Peter, James, and John. There was something about his power that was revealed in that moment. And so there's another movement that happens for Peter and the disciples. We see it when it says Peter bowed down before Jesus and said, Lord, go away from me. I am a sinner. Have you ever messed up? Have you ever done something to offend a friend or maybe your spouse or, or someone you're close to? And Have you ever had to go to them and try to make things right? Have you ever had to go and say, I'm sorry? Uh, I mean, I can think of many times when I've uh, offended Joanna, my wife, and I come to her and it, it, I don't come like this. Joanna? I'm sorry for what I did, right? Because that's, I'm not really sorry if that's the way I come. The way I come is, is 
with my head bowed a little bit, usually. Joanna, I'm sorry. It's hard to even look her in the eye. I, I messed up. You're right, I'm wrong. You're smart, I'm dumb. You're beautiful, I'm ugly. There's something about the physical act of bowing our heads when we recognize things are a mess and something needs to change and be right. Peter senses that with Jesus. Now, Jesus didn't point at him and say, uh, Peter, I've seen your life and I know what you were thinking yesterday and what you did to that man over there and that girl over there. I'd, Peter, Jesus didn't say that to Peter. But there was something about meeting Jesus that was so powerful, so insightful, that it caused Peter to realize, I'm not just in the presence of any ordinary person. I'm in the presence of something more. Something so good that it causes me to recognize my not goodness. And it causes me to say, I'm not who I want to be. I'm not who I think God made me to be. And I need something different. And so Peter bows down all the way. Jesus, I'm a sinner. In fact, he says, go away from me. It's almost as if he was saying, I was comfortable before you came along, Jesus. I was okay in the way I was, but now that you're here and I see who you are, I can't go back to that comfort. What have you done to me? So Jesus encounters Peter. And Peter's movement is to bow down. That's a, a physical movement that, that we can put together with this. In fact, we might even say it's one, one word, repentance. It's that act of saying to someone, I am wrong and I need to do something different. Something needs to change. This is what Peter did, bowing the head, bowing the body. Go away from me, I'm a sinner. So what does Jesus do? Jesus doesn't point and condemn. Jesus doesn't say, Peter, out of the boat, boom, he's gone into the water. Jesus instead says some words that are powerful. He says, fear not. I mean, when we're repenting, we're normally afraid. Afraid the other person's not going to love me anymore. Something's changed. Afraid I won't ever be able to get to where I want to be. There's a fear involved in it. And when it's a godly fear, that's a good thing. But Jesus says to Peter, fear not. There's a change that's happening as Peter encounters Jesus, moving from fear to joy, from fear to faith. Jesus draws Peter out of that place where he is and leads him onto something better. Now, we're seeing a very seed form of something that's full-blown throughout the rest of the Gospel of Luke. Here's some of Jesus' words that he says later on in Luke. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Today, salvation has come to this house, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Do you hear the change that Jesus talks about when people meet him? Where once there was sorrow, there was gladness. Where there was fear, there's faith. Where there was 
distress and chaos in their lives. There's now peace. Where there was deadness, there is life. Jesus, when he encounters people, brings about life change. Now, the church, we've tried to simplify this and, and make it one focus with the word salvation. And that's a great word to use for what Jesus does when we meet him. and We continue moving forward by the Spirit. It's like this. Uh, my boys, three, seven years old, when they start playing in the living room, it becomes a mess quickly. You've got Lego pieces over here, a few books over here, a Kindle on the floor here, Mr. Potato Head pieces over here, 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 and here, and a puzzle over here, and all of a sudden, within 10 minutes, the floor is a mess. And if I walked into the living room and I said, who wants to go for ice cream? Those boys would be to the door before I finished that question, right? They're gone because they know ice cream is great. And my thought is, well, we got to clean up first, right? Get back over here and pick up all this stuff. It's sort of like Jesus is coming to the disciples and saying, I see a mess going on. But who wants hope? Who wants joy and peace in their life? Who wants, where you are dead, who wants life? Who wants salvation and rescue? And those disciples, Peter, James, and John, don't look back. They drop the nets. It's the Bible says they left everything and they followed Jesus. It's almost like we say, the mess I've been tra trying to make with my life, the mess that I've made by, by trying to find my own meaning and purpose, it's just not working. The, the mess I've made by looking for happiness and satisfaction and, and so many things, it's, it's just not enough. When I meet Jesus, find that he is what I need. He is so much better than anything else. I'm going. I'm going to leave everything else behind. All the idols, all those desires I have, all those ungodly thoughts and actions, I'm, I'm leaving it behind. I'm going after him because of what he's done for me. There's a movement that we can place with this as well. It's the, the movement of, of walking because that's what Peter, James, and John did. They walked after Jesus. It's almost like they were saying, Jesus, wherever you go, I'm going. Whatever you say to do, I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter what it takes. It doesn't matter what I have to give up because what you are offering me is so amazing. It's the best news I've ever heard. I'll do it because I know what a mess, what a wretched mess my life has been. I've met you and you're offering me something different something more. So there's a movement that happens when Jesus meets us. John Wesley, I've mentioned him, mentioned him several times. He's the founder of Methodism, and he, he has an amazing story. And it gives us this same picture, these movements of the Spirit. John Wesley one day was trying to figure out his life. It was not going the way he intended and he had heard about this worship service. And he decided at first, I'm not going to that worship service. I'm just not going to go. And then kept hearing this little voice saying, you need to go to this worship service. And so he, he ended up going. He responded to that, that initial movement of the Spirit, obeying Jesus' way in a little small way. He went 
for this worship service. Now, we, we know from John Wesley's diary, his journal, that he had been repenting as well. He'd been saying things like, I went to go and save these people with God's word, but who's going to save me? There was something not right in his life, and, and he comes to this worship service, and he begins to hear about Jesus explained in Romans, the book of Romans. And as he's sitting there listening, something happens. He meets Jesus again, and he says that his life was changed in that moment. Something happened inwardly that changed him outwardly. In fact, he said it like this. He said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law, law of sin and death. And then he goes on to talk later in his sermons and writings about how God moved him that day from feeling like a servant, afraid of an angry master, to a son loved by a loving father. And how he felt like he went that day from being afraid to joyful. In that moment when John Wesley met Jesus, something changed inwardly that led him to change his outer life as well. And he went to lead on a, a movement in England that changed the landscape of England itself, as well as start new branches of faith that we call Methodism, Wesleyanism, and, and many other branches. Jesus changes lives. When he meets us, there's a movement of the Spirit, God's Spirit meeting ours. Something happens in those moments, and it moves from obeying Jesus' way in small ways to repenting to having a life-changing encounter with Jesus. So here's what I want to do. I want to ask us to pray in an unusual way. I'm going to ask everyone to stand up. Go ahead and stand up. We're going to close our eyes. I don't want you to bow your heads. I don't, you don't need to hold anybody's hand. Just close your eyes, and, and we're going to pray in a special way. And I'm going to ask you to, to do the motion that goes with that movement of the Spirit that you find yourself in today. If you find yourself at the very beginning of, I'm just exploring Jesus, I'm just checking him out, I'm obeying Jesus in a small way, like coming to church today, then I'm going to ask you to extend your hands in just a moment. If, you, if you're at that point where you recognize there's something not right about me, and I'm in the presence of Jesus, and he is amazing and majestic, and, and I am not, then I'm going to ask you just to bow your head in a moment. And if, you, if you're in that point, that stage where Jesus has changed your life, then I'm going to ask you in just a moment to take a, a, a small step with one foot. You don't have to do these motions big. I'm not trying to make everybody else around you notice what's going on. Just do them in a small way so that you can respond to Jesus this morning. So if you this morning are sensing a small way to obey Jesus, you're just checking him out, you're, you're not even sure he's something that we call a Messiah or Savior, but, but you think he's wise, if you would just extend your hands in a small way, I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, I am I'm so excited. There are many here among us and around the world today that are, that are exploring your love and your words. And as they trust you in small ways, like Peter casting a net, I, 
pray that you would show them your power and your grace. I pray that you would be faithful to them. Lead them on to further movements of the Spirit. If you find yourself today in that, that stage of knowing that you need to repent, knowing that you're not who you want to be or who God wants you to be, would you just bow your head? Jesus, no doubt, there are many times throughout the life of a Christian who, that we need to repent. We need to say we're sorry and seek another way. But right now, I'm so thankful for those who are seeing you for the first time, who are noticing that they have hurts, habits, and hang-ups that are powerful. But instead of pushing us away, thank you, Jesus, for reaching out to us, for giving us help and mercy in our time of need. You are so good. We're not. I'm thankful for that recognition when it happens. Because of that, we might be able to move forward in your grace. And if you've experienced the life change of Jesus meeting him and, and something new has happened within you, if, if you say, I've been saved, I just want you to make one small, little, teeny, tiny step with one of your legs, one of your feet. Would you just step forward? Jesus, this makes me want to sing. It makes me want to have music, to think about that, that old song, celebrate good news. Come on. Come on, because this is awesome. Jesus changes lives. Thank you, Jesus. You brought us from fear to faith, from sin to Christ-likeness. You brought us from selfishness to a, a godly purpose. This is the best news ever, and I'm so glad that there are many here who have experienced this change and are walking after you and following you. Jesus, we're still learning. We're still on this journey. We've, we don't have it all figured out. But let us leave everything behind, all those idols, all the guilt, all the ungodly thoughts and actions. Let us leave it behind for something so much better, for your love, for your peace, for your joy, for your hope, for your salvation. We follow you. Maybe for some of us today, there, we don't sense a movement yet. And I want to pray for you too. There's no motion to this. I'm not going to call anybody out. I just want to pray for you. Because I know Jesus loves you too. So Jesus, for those to whom you have not revealed yourself yet, I pray now for your teaching and your words and your love to penetrate their hearts. I pray that your goodness will, will reverberate in their souls and that they would know what the rest of us have found out. That you are so amazing. You are so good. And that you can do life-changing things. So Jesus, this morning, for all of these movements of the Spirit, we thank you. For all these ways that you call us forward to follow you, we say help us, but we're coming. Jesus, thank you. Amen.